0: James, you want to come on up? We have uh, the pleasure to hear from Brother James Norid today. James is the minister for uh, the High Point Church in McKinney. And James is a, he's a gifted thinker. He's a gifted leader. Um, he cares about God's mission and has had some practice uh, participating in God's mission we're kind of in the midst of a conversation series that is gearing us up and, and equipping us to participate in God's mission. And so I thought a wonderful way to kind of help us along our journey would be to bring James in to share with us some of the ways that he's participating in mission and to inspire all of us as we continue to find our place in um, God's story and God's God's mission. James and I were actually at Harding Graduate School right about the same time Um I was on the way in as you were on the way out, I right. think, right? Yeah. And uh so it's it's great to have our paths cross. Uh now uh James comes with his wife and two beautiful daughters. You guys need And to beautiful be- wife too. Yes, a beautiful <laughs> wife and two beautiful daughters, um all of them beautiful. Yes and James is beautiful. Yeah, no, thank you. So thank it's you. one beautiful day all here together. I'm gonna pray for James and let him share with us. Um, so I'm excited that you're here. Pastor. Yeah, great to be here. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for James. Uh, we pray that you would bless him, that you would use him to speak to us. God, give us ears to hear how you're speaking to us and help us to, to discern um, and to, to see how you're calling us more deeply into your mission to bless and restore the world that we live in. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Let's see. Grab one last. Thank you, sir. Well, hey, uh, it's great to be here. I'm so glad that Charles uh, invited invited me out. Boy, am I, am I really that short? Um, I think I'm not quite that short, so I'll pull this up there. So, got the mic adjusted? All right. Uh, hey, it's great to be here, and uh, I've been excited to hear what God has been doing amongst you. i have kind of uh, tried to keep track of uh, Charles and... Uh, Ryan and their story. In fact, uh, I remember going out uh, on top of a building, uh, kind of looking over the, old, uh, the downtown area before they had even really started, at, uh, or just started, I suppose, uh, before they'd been meaningful worship certainly, and uh, and hearing their plans. And it, it's been great to to hear from afar, um, but also to be able to join you here tonight, uh, so I can see what God is doing amongst you. Uh, my my kids are here. At, since Gina's here, our oldest, uh, she always likes when I tell this story uh, uh, to illustrate how tough it is to, to you know to get respect as a as a as a minister, as a as church planters, as fathers. It is Father's Day. Um, this time, at this time, Gina was about five years old, and we went up. This at this point, we were in Kansas City. I was at a minister of a church up there, and we went up to Iowa, which is where Becky's mother uh, father. Uh, Mother lived, uh, and um, we were up there for uh, about a week. And I had gotten kind of sick up there because they had a cat, and I'm allergic to cats. And I hadn't brought my allergy medicine. In fact, I had to go spent a, a, a day into, in a hotel until I got you know my allergy medicine worked up. Well, we came back home, and Gina is there with my wife, asking her, Mom. Can we get a cat? You know, it'd be great to get a cat. She says, no, honey, your dad's allergic to cats. She's in this cat. But, but mom, I'd really like a cat. I said, uh, you know, what if we put it outside? No, honey, it'd it, it get out. Well, what if we build a fence? No, our fences have to have, you know, space in them. It'd get out. Says, well, what if we put it in the garage? Honey, we can't keep the cat in the garage. Her mind's just turning a thinker. Finally, she says, mom, does everyone die? She said, well, yeah, honey, eventually everyone dies. She said, if Dad dies, can I get a cat? <laughs> so I just imagined her showing up at my funeral, you know, with a the cat there. Uh, <laughs> Fathers is kind of tough to get to get respect, too. I, I don't know if you uh, see any Reader's Digest. Uh, they, they come out every once in a while with some different stories. And there's a true story. This this uh, son uh, was trying to get a card for uh, for his father. And the brother actually tells a story. And the brother says, yeah, my, you know, my brother went out and he was trying to find a card for the dad. And, you know, for Mother's Day it's like 100, you know, aisles of, of Mother's Day stuff. For, for fathers, there's like, you know, a little window aisle, just barely anything there. And there are only two cards left. And so uh, he picked out one and, and brought it down to his father. And he kind of sheepishly, you know, gave it to his dad. And it, his dad opened it up and it says, you've been like a father to me. The dad kind of looked at him strangely. <laughs> been like a father. He says, what's this? He said, well, it was better than the other one. Uh, he tells his father. I mean, he's, he's 16 years old. And he says, the other one said, now that I'm a father, too. And of course, if you're a father, you don't want your 16 year old, really, if you can prevent it, having children. But, if you do have a church that's very young, you want to still be thinking about having children, and to planning another church, and to reaching more people for Christ. And some of the things that we're talking about tonight, uh, will hopefully help us think about those things and reaching out, taking up the mission that God has given to us. And so we're going to look at a little bit of scripture or a look at a few things from church history. We're going to watch some videos of some, some real stories of people seeking to, to live out the story of Jesus. Uh, you know, in, in the beginning, there, there was only good. When God created everything, he created it good. And that's an important thing to know. As much badness and evil and everything that, that we see, it pops up, you know, on the Internet, on the news, cable. I mean, it's 24 hours of just murder and mayhem or oil pumping out into the into the gulf. I mean, they just can't seem to get a handle on that. That's terrible. Uh, but in the beginning, God created everything good. And all of the world, in fact, he created humanity very good. And so God didn't intend a world with all the mess that we see today. Um, what happened? Well, you probably know the story. There were crying babies uh, that eventually came in. But um, uh, the story was that, that Satan came along and he he tempted Adam and Eve and uh, tried to make them think that, you know, there's a life that you can have outside of God and, and you're really missing out. And that's what something Satan's always tried to do. Tell us that we're missing out. By living a life uh, that is outside uh, or within the boundaries that God has given to us, and so they of course take of the fruit, and when they do that, their relationship with God is destroyed, their relationship with one another is destroyed. I mean, before when when Adam uh, saw Eve and saw her for the first time you know he was real excited and he says bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh I mean he gets really excited she of course says you had me at hello you know I mean they they were truly a couple made for each other but after this they start blaming one another God comes along and says you know uh, what's up uh, why are you hiding from me and Adam blames Eve and says you know is that woman that you gave me she's the problem and so they their the, the relationship with each other is, is messed up. And their relationship with God is messed up. They're kicked out of the garden. But what does God do? He has a plan. He sends his son, Christ, to show us how to live and to die for us so that we can come back into relationship with one another and with him. That's one of the reasons I really like the, the name of this uh of this church, storyline community. There's a story that we have that is God's story that we are uh, welcome to be a part of. And as we are part of that story, we do indeed form a community that's centered around the cross of Christ. And I love that, that picture, that image there. You've, you may have seen that before, but it's a picture of a, of a family gathered around the cross of Christ And actually, it's it's more than just a family that's gathered around there. It's a diverse group, people from all walks of life. Uh, In fact, in John's gospel, you see that John talks to, um, uh, that John records Jesus talking to his mother on the cross, and he says to his mother, "Look, here's your son, John." And he says to John, "Here now is your mother." Even though they weren't blood relatives. They are drawn together by the cross of Christ, and that in fact is what, what forms is a, is a Christ-centered community with people from every background, every race, every, every education level, every different kind of thing that there is drawn together by Christ. So, God has a story. And He does want to form community. But imagine this. If no one had ever set out on a mission to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ, would we have any churches? If people said, you know what, I'm pretty satisfied with my Christian community, where we've got great worship, you know, we're, we're really, we're really tight, we're really close, but they never sought to reach out, would there be any more people brought to faith in Christ? What if that church in Jerusalem had said, you know what, this is, this is wonderful. We've got, we've got great people here. You know, we, 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 have got great preaching. Uh, we're taking the Lord's Supper as we've always wanted to do and very meaningful. Boy, well, sure like that a lot better than the little crackers. Uh, I mean, some, some real juice and, and some real bread. But what if they had never gone out on mission? You see, the very fact that we are here is living proof that someone cared enough to send someone out to reach someone, to establish Christian followers, and to make a church. And so God does have a mission for His people. And it's been said, it's not so much that the the church has a mission, but... The mission as a church, that is, that the God has this overarching story that He wants us to be a part of. Uh, of, of His Son coming into the earth and, uh, to the earth and, and forming a, a, a wonderful community. And He wants us to be a part of that story. And so, He created a church to help with that story that He already had in mind. It's really His story. And so to really understand this mission, it's it's really good guess what to look at the life of Jesus. Who was a man on a mission, right? I mean, he was up in heaven, he comes to earth not just to hang out, but for purpose. And if you look at the end of each of the gospels, you see that there is a form of what we we call the great commission. In Matthew's Gospel, and if you look at each of these versions, you see that Jesus is a model. They're all found at the end of the Gospels. In Matthew's Gospel, the one that you, you may be familiar with, where Jesus, after the resurrection, says to his disciples, Go and make disciples, make followers of me. And baptize people and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And if you go through Matthew's Gospel, you see that Jesus is the great teacher. And so there's an emphasis upon teaching and and following Jesus because that's who Jesus was. If you go to the end of Mark's Gospel, uh, the original ending of Mark, uh, it's after the resurrection. Uh, The women there go to the tomb and uh, they see the angel and they see that Jesus is not there. And the angel tells them to go out. Tell everyone that you've seen Jesus. And it literally says in Greek, and they said nothing to nobody, <laughs> which doesn't make for very good English, but it makes for great Greek. It's really trying to emphasize that they didn't say anything. I mean, they had this, they had this experience. They, they, they knew that Christ had been raised from the dead, but they were so afraid that they didn't say anything. And sometimes that would, that's what holds us back. What's going to happen if I share my faith with my friends? If I tell them about this experience, you know, the ground might open up and swallow me up. You know, just if I if I said, hey, you want to come worship with us or, hey, you want to come to my house church? And so fear is something that we've got to overcome. If you if you look in the Gospel of Mark, you see that Jesus is the great man of faith and faith is always contrasted with fear. You may remember that story where Jesus is with the disciples out on the boat and he's asleep, and they're all scared. And they, they wake him up and say, you know, aren't you going to save us? And he says, oh, you of, or I guess if you grew up with the King James, oh, ye of, what, little faith. So fear is something that is in contrast to faith. So being like Jesus, we need to have great faith and not be afraid to tell people about our message, about our experience of God. Go through the book of Luke and you see that Luke talks about how the disciples are going to be witnesses. And so there's this, this verbalization of, of experience they've had with God. And hopefully as a community, as a people, as individuals and as this group together, you've got something to share. The early disciples say, you know, what, I was with Jesus and we followed him around, you know, and there's that time that we ran out of bread and we didn't have food. And, you know, the, and there was that time when, you know, the the, the the worship equipment didn't work and, and all those things that happen in, in, in day-to-day life. But they had a message to share about Jesus. And if you go through the book of Acts, you see that there's this message that Jesus, this commission that Jesus gives to the disciples. He says, you are going to be My witnesses starting in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. He's saying that... My message is going to start with you, but it's going to expand and circle and circle and circle until all peoples are reached for Christ. And guess what? They took up that commission. The very fact that we are here shows that they left Jerusalem. And so you start with people who are close to you, but you want to reach everyone that you can for Christ. And so God has not written the final story on this community. He is going to reach many people for Christ through you. And then, perhaps the uh, version of the Great Commission that uh, that a lot of people who are in church planting and, and are in communities like this have talked about is the Great Commission as it's found in the book of John. And this is again after the resurrection. Jesus breathes on the disciples. Now, I hope He had good breath. Um, I hope He had some Tic Tacs or something like that. But He breathes on the disciples. They receive the Spirit of God. And Jesus says to them, as the Father has sent me into the world, I'm now sending you. And earlier, Jesus, in talking to His disciples, had told them, that, Look, you know what? I, I, I can't stay here. I'm going to go away. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be raised from the dead. I'm going to ascend into heaven. And when I go, I'm going to send down to the earth the Counselor or the Holy Spirit. And he's going to convict people about sin and righteousness and the judgment and things to come. So there's this image of the Spirit already being out at work in the world. Which means that as we go out, we aren't talking to people who've never heard about God. We aren't talking to people who've never had an experience of God. As you go out and, to, and go to your places of work or um, taking care of your kids or whatever it may be, you don't have to take God with you. Guess what? God's already there. And so, Jesus has this image. He says, as, as I have been sent, I'm sending you out. And so, the reason why that we go out as a people is it all goes back to God. It all goes back to Jesus. And there's a term that you, you may have heard, y'all may have used, related to mission, called missional. And it's the idea that we've been sent out into the world. But it's not just one little tiny part about what the church does. It's why we exist. I don't know if you know it, but Charles, Ryan, their wives... The group that started this community, they had in mind that they wanted to be part of God's mission and to reach people that had never been reached for Christ before. And that's what God wants us all to be a part of, is to be a church that has mission at its heart. I like this quote from Missional Church. They say that mission is not something the church does, a part of its total program. No, the church's essence is missional. But the calling and sending action of God forms its identity. So as we go out into the world, our motivation for, for being on mission is because we want to be like God. I mean, think about every other command that we're given in Scripture related to God's character. So, God says, be holy because what? I am holy. We are to be loving because what? God is loving. We want to be a people on mission because that's who God is. He is a sending God. And we cannot fully be like God if we are not a sending church that's sending people overseas, that's sending people in our neighborhoods, That is ourselves that that ourselves have in our minds that we are part of God's mission. So then, as we go out, the question is, what do we send out to do? And when you look through Scripture, you see that there are at least three things that Jesus Himself said, this is why I came, this is, this is why I am here on this earth. Jesus said, I came to seek and save people who were lost. Which means that he's saying, I came to actively seek out people. You know, he didn't just uh, just stay up in heaven and throw down flyers at people. And, okay, if you guys can come up to heaven, I'd love to have you. But I'm going to stay up here. Now, he went down in the trenches where people were. And as a church, that's what we've got to do. We've got to go out to where people are. Talk more about that in a second. Secondly, Jesus said, I came to serve people. And we cannot fully be like Jesus if we are not actively serving people. And then the third thing that Jesus said he came to do was to proclaim the good news about this kingdom of God, which is God's rule or reign in the world. It's about this world in which God is in charge and we let God be in charge and we say, God, I want you to be in charge of my life, and all that I have is yours. And Jesus says that that will bring us peace and joy and happiness into our lives. Well, uh, seeking the lost—that means to go to where people are. Uh, just one story here on this. Uh, one of the things that that we've done at the churches that I've been a part of is we've we've tried to go into places where people are, where people hang out maybe people who aren't all that churched, and uh, one of those is Starbucks. I mean, there's a million places you could go. Uh, but I remember that we had a, a book talk that that we were holding in a Starbucks, just because we thought, you know what, it would be a great place to invite people who are unchurched, uh, who maybe are interested in in spiritual things, and we'd read, like, spiritually themed books. So you see in Barnes and Noble and everywhere else Blue Lake Jazz is what we were reading at that time by Donald Miller. You may have been familiar with that. There's all kinds of people that go to bookstores and read stuff but never darken a church door. Cuz they think that churches are judgmental and, you know, which oftentimes they are. Uh, but there's this this worker there named Alex and Alex uh, was, a young girl and she was not much interested in church, but she was kind of interested in us as we came in. And one day she asked me, she said, James, you know, what's, uh, cause I got to know her, know her name and everything. I said, James, she said, James, what's that book you read? I said, well, it's a book on church, on, uh, Christianity, following Christ, not churchianity. She said, well, that sounds, that sounds interesting. And she says, uh, you know, I, I don't think much of churches. In fact, they're kind of like cults. But I like that following Christ thing. So I had this great conversation with her. We went and had our book talk. And I I went through the week and I thought, well, you know, what could I do that maybe could connect with Alex? And so I went and bought her a copy of the book. And I wrote a note in that book. I said, dear Alex, uh, thanks for serving us with such a great heart. I can tell that you've got a heart like Jesus because you really love people. And if there's ever anything that we can do, if we can pray for you or help you in any way, please let us know. God bless. James. Came in the next time, gave her the book. She's busy, of course, you know. She said, oh, thanks, you know. And then we went and had our book talk. And then, uh, towards the end of our book talk, she came over to our table and she said, James. I said, what? (laughs) She said, uh, man, I read the first two chapters of that book during my break. And she said, that was great. And then she said, and by the way, thank you for that note. That's the nicest thing that anyone has ever done for me. And I was just struck by how that could be the nicest thing that anyone had ever done to her, for her. Because all I did was buy her a book and write a little note. It was believing, not heroic. But people are so starved for any kind of Christian, true Christian love and kindness, things that we take for granted in the Christian community, being prayed for and praying for others, that uh, that opened the door to her heart. And you know what? We never would have been able to talk to Alex if we had not gone out to where she was, in a place that she was comfortable, and spend time with her there. So seeking the lost, going to where people are geographically, you know, where they are, kind of in their walk with God, all of that. Jesus, that's what He did. And he took people where they are and he actively sought people out. And as a church, that's what God calls us to do, to be actively seeking out those who are far away from him. How about the second one, serving others? Well, I tell you, this is something that the early church sure did get and understand. If you go through some of the early stories in early church history, it's amazing what Christians did to serve others. In fact, there was a, an epidemic that hit the, the ancient world in AD 260 and Dionysus. He was a church leader at that time, and he talked about the church's response. And he said this, uh, Most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. They took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. So he says, you know what, they, they, they went and they took care of people who were sick. He said, many in nursing and curing others transferred their death to themselves, and died in their stead. The best of our brothers lost their lives in this manner. A number of presbyters, which would be a word for elders, shepherds, deacons, which is servants, and just ordinary Christians, gave up their lives for those that were sick. Eusebius, church historian, said something very similar about a plague that hit in AD 309. He said, Others gather uh, he said, so Christians are the only one who amid such fellow feeling and humanity by their actions, uh, showed their fellow feeling and humanity by their actions. Day by day, some would busy themselves with attending to the dead and burying them. Others gather in one spot all who were afflicted by hunger throughout the whole city and gave bread to them all. And when this became known, people glorified the Christians' God. Do we want to get more worshipers? How do we do that? <laughs> we'll serve people, take care of people, give bread to people. Now, where would these Christians have gotten the idea that maybe they needed to provide bread, food, for people who were hungry? Where would they have gotten that idea? Who was it that gave bread to the hungry? It was Jesus who fed thousands and thousands of people because of the compassion that was in his heart. And the early church knew that. They understood that. They knew that to be a follower of Christ meant that you had to serve people. And then you wanted to serve people. And you wanted to bless their lives. And so individually with the people that we know, with the people that you know, and then actively as a church, we've got to be a people that serves others. I want to show a short video here of one of our ministries at High Point, uh, which is a food pantry ministry, which has really, uh, really grown in the last couple of years as the economy has gone down. And we now give out about 70, 80 bags of groceries a week, uh, to many people, uh, many of whom were formerly middle class people, but have lost their jobs. And, and, uh, so I want to share with you this, this video of, of people who were Served and whose lives were blessed by people whose hearts were touched by Christ.
2: I love the food pantry ministry um, because it is um, a ministry that everyone can be involved in. We started working with it, and we like it very much.
3: It's just been a great, a great thing for our family. It's also helped us really, really appreciate the blessings that God has given us. I remember
2: one father who came and um, actually broke down and cried, and said, "Um, I need food for my children. I've never had to ask before. We hear about
3: domestic violence and domestic issues that people are struggling with, about poverty like we don't even understand.
0: We hear about uh, all the problems that they have with the economy.
2: Out of jobs for years. We have had people come to us saying the Salvation Army sent us to you for food. Andrew greets them as they come
3: in and helps them find their forms. And if they don't have forms, they come back here to Alyssa and Alyssa helps them fill out forms. And these packages are put together earlier in the week by some wonderful volunteers here at High Point.
0: We serve roughly 35 to 70 families each week.
2: There have been times when we have just run out of groceries completely. There's no food left on our shelves. Ramona is a young lady who came into the food pantry she had to come and ask for food. She's a single mom, she had a son at home and she had lost her job and she just didn't know where to turn. We wanted to do more than give her food, we wanted to pray for her to find a job. And so we prayed together. She cried and she thanked me and we gave her food and sent her away. She came back the next week and we, we had another prayer and we did this for just a few short weeks. And then one week she didn't come. And when they don't come, I always think, maybe they got a job. Maybe this is good news. She came back to let us know that she had found a job. She had gotten her first paycheck. And she handed us an envelope. And she said, this is my tithe. I want to get back what the Lord has given to me. And I want to bless someone else. And so I took it, thinking what a wonderful gesture that was for her to do. Thinking it would be a one-time thing. It's been over a year, and Ramona is still sending us our weekly tithe. When you hear the stories from these people, and you see the things
3: that have gone on in their lives, and then you go home to a pantry full of food, it makes you so
2: appreciative, and you just really count your blessings. It just um, allows me to reach out to them and do what Jesus would want me to do. We ask them about their needs. We talk to them about what's really on their hearts, one of the ladies come in and say, someone is outside for the food pantry and they want Miss Linda to come pray with them. That really touches my heart when they request prayers. If they don't attend church anywhere, then we broach the subject of a Bible study. And I just put that little question at the bottom of the form. The past two weeks we have had 15 people check that they would be interested in a Bible study. We're partnering with Vega Elementary School and the personnel there identify the students who come to school hungry. They know there's a specific need there for that family. It's just a great opportunity uh, and one that everyone can be involved in. One thing that keeps bringing people back
3: is just hope. You know, they see that God has opened a door that they can come to
2: each week, and when they step through that door, there are people on the other side who really, really care about them. Everybody can be a part of this ministry and feel like they are making a major contribution that uh, will make a difference in someone's life.
1: Well it has been an amazing ministry and it's been amazing to see the people whose lives have been touched. And I'm talking about the people who we're serving. Because we are transformed when we are blessed by God enough to be able to bless someone else's life. And it opens doors, of course, to share the gospel. You know, the early church served like this and then after Constantine became emperor in uh, the fourth century, Christianity became legalized, but a short time after that, there became another came another emperor on the throne named Julian. He was a pagan. And he wanted to turn the clock back and make everything, you know, be pagan again. And so he wrote a letter to his priest. And he said, you know what? All these Christians have all these charities. They're, they're starting hospitals and feeding programs and all that kind of stuff. He said, we got to do something about this. Let's start some pagan charities. <laughs> well, guess what happened to those pagan charities? They went nowhere. You know why? Because at the heart of paganism, with people like Zeus who go around and, you know, just take wives and and sleep with people and all this, at the heart of Christianity was Christ, who was a servant. And that is why the Christian faith, because of our founder, Jesus, is able to be more generous, more loving, more compassionate than any other group out there because we have the model of of Jesus Christ. And when we do this, we make lives better for those around us. A quote from Shaped by God's Heart is this, Missional churches are enhancing the quality of life of those in the communities where those churches are located. The missional church blesses the world through its presence. Its community is a better place to live because the church is there. What we have to ask is, If this church ceased to exist, what would our community say? What would our friends, our co-workers say? Would they say, Good, I'm glad. Those people are a bunch of jerks. I'm glad they're not around. Would they say, Huh, I didn't even know they were there. Or would they say, Oh man, what are we going to do without that church? They meant everything to this community. We want the people around us to say, without storyline community, without the Christians in that group, our lives would be much poorer. And when we do that, when we serve people in our daily lives and as a church, then we have opportunities to share the Gospel with people, to tell them about the Jesus who has inspired us and the hope that He has to offer. And so as a church, we need to be a church that seeks the lost, that serves others, and that shares the good news of Jesus Christ. Where do you start? You start in your own circle, your own kingdom that you have uh, an opportunity to to rule over. That is, your family, your friends, your body, yourself, your circle of influence, and then spread out from that to Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. I saw that as came in, there's an opportunity to sponsor a child with Compassion International, I picked up this young boy's packet. Artit Karak. In his home, George makes helps by making beds and running errands. He lives with his grandmother. His grandmother is sometimes employed as a laborer. There are two children in the family. George is not presently attending school. soccer, walking, and bicycling are his favorite activities. He also attends church activities regularly. Because of your sponsorship, Jord will have new opportunities to learn and grow spiritually, mentally, and spiritually. Thank you for your concern and prayers. You can start serving those around you, you can start serving your coworkers, and you can start serving people overseas. And if you will do that, individualism in church, many people will come to faith. God calls us to a great mission, and we're blessed to be able to be a part of it. Thank you for allowing me to come and share these thoughts with you here this evening. You've been an inspiration to me, and may God richly bless you.